Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in. Should I complain? Should I start the morning by complaining? Is that the way to start a Friday morning? Ease it into the weekend. We are going to have some bad weather, apparently now for, I don't know, a week to 10 days or whatever. Yeah, we're going to have snow on and off, except mostly on. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and complain. Where is the love, Yach? You know Yach because you've seen my Twitter. They hate when the Broncos are on the air. The Broncos are not on the air. I keep hitting refresh on Twitter to see where the congratulations are. It's my fault when they're on. How come I'm not getting the credit now that they're not? The truth is, I don't have anything to do with it either way. I had zero to do with the choice this week, but I thought there were three games that CBS uh, could be showing on KUTV. It's a network decision. The network pays a gazillion dollars for the NFL. They're not going to let local people pick the wrong games. Pick whatever game they like the most, whatever team they follow, or whatever player they like. So they assign the games. You do have a chance to appeal. And mostly it seems like the thing, the reason they change their mind on games is when you let them know there's a connection to a college player because that's the stuff they don't track. But they generally know the ratings. They know that the number one thing you want to see is the home team. Now, we don't have one in that market, in this market. The next thing that you want to see is somebody else in the division you hate because you want to watch them lose and how it impacts the playoff race. And then you want to watch the best teams, the star quarterbacks, and the biggest games, which is why I thought we were going to get Kansas City in this market. And we didn't. We were going to have the Raider game instead of I thought Kansas City, Miami, with uh, Kansas City just being a wildly entertaining team and, you know, battling Pittsburgh for the top spot. They both have the same record, and Pittsburgh's got the tiebreaker. And two is an intriguing story, and he can be an exciting player, too. So I thought Miami KC would be the game, but it's not. It's, uh, it's going to be the Raider game instead, which is a good game. The Raiders are on the outside looking in of the playoffs. The Colts have one of the last playoff berths, so it's a big game. The Raiders can basically knock the the Colts out, I think. Excuse me, the Colts can knock the Raiders out. If the Raiders win, it just sets up chaos, dogs and cats living together. So it'll be the Raider game. And mercifully, we're not getting the Broncos and the Carolina Panthers because neither of those teams is going anywhere. So gear up for the Raiders on uh, Sunday at two. And yes, Taysom Hill will be over on Fox because it's the Saints every week. Assuming Breeze doesn't play. Um, But anyways, it'll be the Saints, regardless who's quarterbacking them. All right, DJ and PK, let's get to a little college football now. BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson, meeting with the media. Here's his conversation, his Zoom with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Zach, we were just talking to Kyle, and he's he's quite a personality, and I think everybody knows that, but... uh... What was it like for to get the news about him being on scholarship, and what does he mean to this team? Yeah, he means a ton. You know, he's he's already kind of looked at as like another coach um, in that tight ends group, and uh, you know, I've kind of been here through a lot of his process, and uh, you know, I was so excited for him. You know, what a great opportunity, and um, you know, no one deserves it more than him. And um, you know, really, I know is one of the things that that you know I could tell even though he's never said anything to anybody but that was one of his goals in life and um, you know I know I know it means a lot and I know it just you know that the effort that he's going to give for the rest of the season and, and his rest of the time here at BYU you know is uh, all going to be there because he's so grateful for what uh, you know Kalani has given him and uh, um, you know really I think the whole team's backing him on, on what happened and so we're all we're all so pumped for him and um, you know I'm excited he's one of my brothers and I've been I've been uh, really close with him ever since I've got here I love you Zach 
what does that do, Zach, for for the morale of the team and the perspective coming off a real tough loss where you guys didn't play very well, but then to have maybe something to rally around for a buddy like that, you know, to have something great like that happen? Yeah, you know, they're really two separate things. I think at the time when I found out about Kyle is really uh, moving on from Coastal Carolina. You know, we lost. It's, it is what it is, but, you know, life happens. And, um, you know, it was two separate things. We were on to a new game plan week already. And then when I found out, it was, um, you know, I was super happy for him. And, uh, you know, even though you lost, even though we lost this last week, it was really just keeping our spirits up and, and getting ready for the next game. And so, um, you know, it was a good energy, especially for some of those tight ends. I know all those guys, like you were saying, are super close. And, uh, it's, you know, it's completely true. They're all biased on how much they all love each other and uh you know sometimes i'll hear in the back throw it to isaac or throw it to kyle or you know whatever because they always want the ball to the tight ends and so um you know it was a it was a good energy for us zach <clears throat> excuse me i i did want to ask you in, in that final play against coastal carolina can you take us through what you saw on that play uh yeah you know, it's hard to say that they're, they're defending the end zone we're in a tough spot there and um you know, little things we could have cleaned up. Um, you know, Dax was beating up on himself for, you know, whatever it was, not getting into the end zone or whatever it is. But I thought he did a great job of of winning on the route. Um, you know, there really wasn't much to see besides we called the play to go to Dax. Um, and they did a good job. You know, I guess the hard thing about this question in my mind is, is you know, that had absolutely nothing to do with the, the loss. I guess that's what I'm thinking about is, um, you know, I'm proud of the way we battled at the end with 50, 45 seconds left and no time timeouts to drive the whole field um it shows the character we have in these guys but really it had nothing to do with the loss you know it was hard on hard on everybody to lose that way but you know so many mistakes we made early in the game um that was the reason for the loss i also wanted to ask you you guys in that game very little time of possession i asked coach grimes about this a little bit earlier but how much more important does it make it in a game like that when you have so little of repetitions plays in a game do you have to be executing on them yeah, you know, you got to find the sweet spot. You got to understand that you have to execute at a high level, but you don't want to press and and think to do too much. You don't want to say, "Oh, well, you know, if we don't convert on this third down here, we're going to be on the bench." And, and now you're forcing balls into windows that probably aren't there. Um, you know, but there is a sense of, "Hey, we got to we got to execute at a high level this week." And and you know, sometimes that's part of the game. I'd say the hardest thing is sitting on the sideline for a long period of time and and uh, you know, wanting to get back on the field and you know, you're you're cheering your defense on to try and get them off the field and. Um, you just got to take advantage of the times that you are on the field. You know, this last game, I felt like, you know, there was a lot of times where we didn't get on the field as much as we wanted to, but there was still plenty of opportunity for us to put points on the board. And so we got to be better. Um, you know, this is a, another week where we might face a team that might, might be the same way. Those guys might hold on to the ball. Um, aggressive defense. And so we got to be prepared for the exact same thing. Yeah. Hey, Zach. Uh at this time of year, there's always a few players that opt out of the bowl games because of uh, maybe their futures. Is there any chance that you are thinking about that at all? Not at all. I'm here to ride, ride with my boys all the way through. Um, that's the goal. You know, we started uh, started with this team back my freshman year in 2018, and um, you know, had a seven and six year, another seven and six year, and, and you know now we're finally doing some good things. So this would be. Um, I think it would show my kind of character if, if I dropped out. I would never do something like that to these guys. You know, they mean the world to me, and I, I'm going to give them everything I have and, and play um, as long as I can and, and worry about everything in the, in, the, in, the, in the future. And then 
you know, just that deal before halftime, um, was there anything leading up to that at all uh, on the field, any talk or anything that come out of the blue? What, uh, what maybe precipitated that? Well, I don't think it led to anything. I think they had planned that out before the game. You know, if we get a turnover, uh, find the quarterback. And, you know, it happens uh, that guys do that. You know, there's no problem in that. It's the, it's the, you know, the intent of what they were trying to do. Um, you know, that was really the issue. Um, uh, you know, slamming into the ground, tackling. It wasn't blocking. If he was blocking, I'd be, you know, perfectly fine with it. But, you know, either way it happens in football, you know, uh, can't complain about it. It happens. Um, we got to move on from it. You know, that was one of those teams that um, like to talk a lot and they do it on purpose. You know, it's an energy thing for them. You know, they come out and they talk crap and uh, they try and get into your head. And, um, you know, we respect that. It is what it is. And um, a lot of teams are like that. So. And just one question, final from me. Last year, San Diego State didn't really go great for you. Any sort of kind of uh, motivation from that for you, redemption, anything like that? Yeah, I wouldn't say redemption. I just think it's – I mean – having one loss is way better than two. Right. And so I think that's the key for this week is, uh, we don't, we don't want to end our regular season that way. Um, and so, uh, for us, you know, I feel like we did a great job of actually moving the ball last year. I can't remember quite the rushing game, but I know we threw for over 300 yards in that game and, you know, you know, we did some good things, but we couldn't score. And so that, you know, that's the focus is, um, high execution and, and get the ball into the end zone, you know, not settle for field goals or not settle getting stopped at the 45 yard line this week or yeah, this week. All right, Mitch, go ahead. And then after Mitch, Jake, if you have a follow one follow-up. Yeah, Zach, when you mentioned earlier your future, you know, obviously you're a guy that's, uh, you know, uh, considered by many to be a heralded NFL prospect. Are, what factors will go into your decision at season's end in deciding whether to return or, or come back to, to – or, you know, return or, or go to the NFL? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think uh, I think when the time comes after the season's over, I'll, I'll have a pretty good idea of what to do. You know, really the plan for me now is to, um, you know, finish up this week, um, get to a good bowl game, uh, compete, win the bowl game, and then, uh, you know, it really goes from there. And, and right now my plan is to come back next year. You know, really I haven't thought about it because uh, all my focus is with these boys. And um, I really think when the time comes, I'll know what to do. And how would you describe the maybe the morale of the, the team offense and the entire program right now in this week leading up to, to San Diego State? Yeah, we're hungry for one more. And I think the, the biggest key is these guys are good. You know, they've lost a couple games, but, you know, you know, you take the score off. These guys are a good team. They're hard to score on. They don't give up a lot of points. Um, you know, their offense hasn't done a ton this year, but, you know, it, all it takes is one game, right? So uh, what a, a great opportunity for us. I know for them as well. And so we're going to have to, um, you know, really figure it out this week in practice and this week in the game, you know, whether some weather conditions or whatever, you know, we'll be ready to play and um, do it for the seniors. Uh, I think this is just one more opportunity to just play another game. You know, we're all grateful just to be here playing this year. So we never want to take a game for granted, you know, so we're, we're excited and ready to get back at the, at the preparation of um, another team and, and excited to play another game. You know, we don't, we don't love going off of a loss. So. Thanks Zach. Yep. And just real quick, Zach, of course, this year's weird because eligibility is frozen for everybody, but it is technically senior night. Uh, just give us a thought on the guys who could potentially be playing their final home game at Lavelle Edwards stadium for us. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, talking to some of those guys about it and, um, you know, what they've given to this program. You know, a couple that just, you know, off the top of my head, I think of, you know, 
I think of uh, Isaiah and Troy, you know, some of my close guys on the defense, um, you know, kind of what they've given to this program. Um, you know, there's, there's many others besides them, but it's just, you know, some of my close friends that I've been with ever since I got here. Um, and it's crazy to think this is the last time that we're going to be playing together. And it's, it's really not even just the seniors is you think the whole team in general is we'll never have the same team again. And so uh, we've had something special this year. And so we really just want to end on a high note. There's BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson. When we come back, Craig Bowler, Jack TV voice of the jazz. We're talking Rudy Gobert contract. When should you start to get worked up about Rudy not having signed a deal yet? I don't think now is the time. Now, the time may not be that far away either, but now is not the time. We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. All right, it's time to talk jazz basketball with Craig Bowlerjack. The TV voice of the jazz and Bowler's weekly interview is presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. Guys, how are you? Not as good as you, Bowler, because you're calling a game Saturday and you get all sorts of cranky when you don't call games. <laughs> you know who you remind me of? And not not completely. It's not a perfect match, but I was thinking about this the other day when I talked to you. You were just all sorts of fired up. And I mentioned something to Scotty, and Scotty's like, I said, man, Bowler was fired up. And Scotty just looks at me like, you know how he does that like, side-eye look and understand? He goes, you think? <laughs> I think you need to call some games, Bowler. You need, to, you need to burn off some energy. Let's go. I do. I do, PK, DJ. I just need to get back into some sort of a... Uh daily groove and it's i'm getting there man I, I i pulled out uh you know my notes from the suns from uh just last year which wasn't long ago and uh i'm sitting here ready to, to start the, the process so you know training camp rosters are out for both teams and you know what's going to be interesting is to be able to see the suns twice in three days i mean we're going to do that a lot this season. You know, I think on the schedule, Dallas back-to-back, uh, New Orleans back-to-back. So I think it's smart. If you come to town, why not stay, right? And the same for the Jazz. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready to see uh, this new-look Phoenix Suns uh, team with Chris Paul and Devin Booker in the backcourt. And, of course, uh, the new face is back. Well, an old face is back. Uh, but, uh, you know, returns to a team he hasn't played a couple of guys with. Uh, one being Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson, and that's D. Faves. So um, we'll see how this turns out. I'm excited. How much do you think these players get into this ranking? Are we just talking about some NBA guys got the Jazz seventh, which seems low to us? Do you think that's overblown, or do they care about that and use it as some form of motivation? You know, PK, throughout my career, when you ask a player anything about social, uh, anything about newspaper or radio, they say, I don't, I don't pay attention to that. But what's amazing to me is still the news trickles down to them. They may not read it, but family or friends, I guarantee you, let them know 
exactly what where they rank in what area of if you're a guard, a point guard, whatever, or in the top hundred of ESPN's breakdown. I guarantee you they know. And you know what? I think they do use it for motivation. And that's okay. Whatever it takes to turn the switch on or hotter, I guess. I think Gobert's one of those players that really is motivated by the lack of respect at times. And, you know, I don't know where Donovan stands with that, but I still think that anything that you can use to motivate yourself is a good thing. And, you know, everyone has different opinions on where you stand in polls and where you are behind what player and where you're going to finish in a particular season. If anything, the seventh spot would tick me off uh, personally because I would think, obviously, in my mind, we're a much better team than that. And I hope that motivates mot- motivates each and every player on that roster to prove those alleged experts wrong. So not getting a big money contract extension might motivate somebody too, and it might motivate Rudy Gobert. And I have been trying to figure this out, and uh, Jake and Gordon had me on for a segment yesterday and were asking me about it, and, and they were saying, do you think Gobert will sign before the start of the year? And I, I guess I would, or the start of the season. And since that's now less than two weeks away, I would guess no, but I don't know the answer to that for sure, but I would guess no. I also don't think it's a big deal that he's not signed on opening day, but it could become a big deal pretty quickly because then you start getting interviewed all the time and it's right. out there. And so it's like, it's not a big deal on opening night, but like in a month, it could be a big deal. It could be a huge deal in a month. And then uh, I've talked to several people about this and there seems to be a consensus, uh, not among people inside the jazz organization, but people who watch the jazz organization that, you know, Hayward getting away. Uh-huh. With no with nothing coming back. Normally that'd be a problem because they drafted Mitchell, it ended up not mattering that much. Now you can argue if they gotten something back, they would have been in an even better spot. So so maybe it hurt, but the fact is they were still a playoff team. But they can't afford to have that happen with Gobert, which no. makes the March 25th trade deadline a big deal. And the Jazz usually, although that doesn't mean it'll happen next time, but the last two times, they haven't gotten anywhere near the trade deadline. They've seen their move, and they've gone for it early. Corver was an early season trade. Uh, Clarkson was a December trade last year. So they don't tend to wait around for the trade deadline. So at what point... Should Jazz fans start getting worried about the Gobert negotiations? Because to some degree, every negotiation needs a deadline. Until you get close to it, where's the urgency? Yeah. So you, you bring you bring up a, a couple of really good points, and that is, I think the first one is, is that it, it's it's something that this team doesn't want to be hanging over their head. You make a great point. Look, this year is different with the media, as we know, is because there's not, not going to be any access into the locker room. So. You really have no shoulder-to-shoulder opportunity with Gobert to ask this question on a daily basis, nightly basis. So what happens is they may bring him to the Zoom camera, you know, once a week. It just depends. But, you know, I think Rudy, knowing the way that he's handled things in the past, sometimes emotional, especially when it comes to his play and wanting more touches, as you remember, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if he holds back or if he, you know, just plays his cards right and lets this and lets this play out. So let's move on to the second part of that: is that if it does hang over the Jazz, how does it impact this team? Because it's something you don't want. 
and if they would actually really consider, you know, trading this big man because they really are focused around his defense and then play out from that with three-point shooting and, of course, rim play. Uh, I think you saw them probably get Azubuki uh, as a, you know, to protect themselves and and another big, uh, and they got favors back for a reason, I think, in that regard, too, because they can play alongside Gobert, and they can also play small uh, if they have to. Uh, so this is intriguing. It's, it's you know, the Supermax, I think, is reserved for a very few. And I think the conversation, I have no idea what the conversations are, but my guess would be the conversations are, Rudy, look, um, we've extended Donovan, we've paid Jordan, we're going to pay you what we can and think you're worth but you know what? I'd hate to see this go into a situation, as you said, DJ, where you have to either go to the trade deadline, let him go out and search uh, for what his worth is, and then do the Hayward thing again. Uh, it just can't. I just don't think it can happen. But that's up to Dennis and Z, um, you know, to, to make those decisions. Um, it's a tough one. It's a big financial commitment, by the way, and that, and the ownership change i think pk and dj has something to do with this as well look ryan smith takes over soon i i thought and uh, that you know in the next week if not tomorrow that the board of governors meet and will okay the sale so the decisions of finance has to lay on his shoulders and i'm sure with the liaison of steve starks with ryan and the miller family there has to there's been discussions on what direction he wants to go so it still is a tough time for Rudy because of the transition of ownership and then the decision-making to go the next step. And that next step's a big one, by the way, if you're going to go supermax. How sensitive is Gobert in terms of wanting respect and all this stuff? In terms, you know, We saw that Hayward sort of pouted a little bit. I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, can Gobert, is he going to go along those lines or is he going to take it for what business is and, and just go on with it? You know, PK, that's that's another great question because, you know, people I've talked to, I think we all would agree, you know, you sometimes define yourself in this league by what your salary is, and other players know it, right? Uh, and so, again, to be highlighted as a super max player is about as high of an honor that you could you can have, except when you start stacking titles and MVPs on the shelf. So I, I I think what I've learned from Rudy, yes, he is an emotional player. Uh, he does motivate himself with anger at times. He wears 27 for a reason. He felt like he was undercut there in the draft because he was better than the 27th pick. So, uh, yeah, I would think that if this isn't done uh, before the season starts on the 23rd in Portland, then – It'll be interesting to see the body language and if, and if he's actually that in, you know, uh, engaged, or if it motivates him to play angry and at a high high level. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see what direction uh, you know he goes. Some players use it, PK, as you know, as the motivator. You play angry. Others seem to be withdrawn and maybe not as involved with the locker room. Um, so we'll see. You know, I can't predict it, but I think we're going to find out. Uh, just by body language and uh, alone to see what the hustle plays are, uh, what the block numbers, you know, kind of begin in the first, you know, 10 to 12 games 
and we can kind of make, make make a judgment from there. The best case scenario, obviously, is that they come to an agreement on some number that works for both both sides, and then you just play basketball and get it done. Uh, and then you've got your defensive base, and you've got your offensive, um, you know, uh, firepower as well already signed in Donovan and Jordan. You know, they extended uh, Joe Ingles, and so really everything's everything is set financially except the Gobert deal. So I may be naive on this, wouldn't be the first time, but I'm not, uh, I, I know as it gets closer, jazz fans get wound up about it. Sure. I'm, I'm not wound up about it. I don't think anyone should be wound up about it until the Board of Governors sale is done and it's announced and the transition happens and Ryan's totally in charge. Yeah. Because we're in this gray area now where I think owners... I think it's understood that you know money is being spent, and if it's really significant, the new owner has to have a say. But it's awkward because they shouldn't have the say publicly because it isn't approved, even if we think it's going to be a rubber stamp and it is approved. So everything, yes, yeah, stuff can go forward, but it can't really go forward. But it seems like once that goes public, then stuff can really accelerate. You know, what if this scenario plays out, that the day that the uh, the deal is okayed by the league, then Ryan's first real public announcement is the Gobert deal. I'm just, thinking out, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm just thinking out loud. I don't know if it had happened that fast, but if it happened within a week afterwards, I think then we could all look back and say, it wasn't as big a deal. The people who are the most wound up about it, it wasn't that big a deal. They were just yeah. waiting for the sale. Right, right. No, it possibly could be exactly that. But, again, as each day kind of ticks ticks away and you saw that kind of the ease of the Mitchell and the Jordan Clarkson contracts, then that, I think, fuels a little bit of the, the concern or the doubt. And, you know, I think we all know, man, when it, when it comes down to not knowing or no answer happens, then the floodgates open of what ifs, uh, you know, conspiracy theories, right? Well, we'll see. You know, will they, won't they? Uh, would they trade him? Would they not? Uh, look, Rudy is a big part of what the Jazz are doing. And obviously, his, as he said to us on Zoom about a week or so ago, that he's concentrating on playing basketball and they have agents for a reason, right? I mean, that's really what agents are supposed to do is uh, protect and pretty much isolate a player from some of the negotiations that are going on so there's no ill will. Um, between the two sides. Uh, Ask Frank Layton about that when he had both <laughs> responsibilities, right, of a president and uh, and coach, and he was the one negotiating deals back in the Adrian Dantley days. So, you know, it's it's a touchy situation, but, you know, one, the Jazz are going to have to work through, and Gobert may have to bend, and the Jazz may have to bend, too. That's how negotiations tend to, to play out. So the Jazz signed this Shaquille Harrison. I don't know what type of impact he'll have on the team, but how cool is it that his brother made his Major League Baseball debut this past season? That's a talented family. Yeah, well, you know, he's from Kansas City, too. Um, oh, you know, boy. PK. Oh, boy. So, yeah, we're, we can talk <laughs> Chiefs and Royals, you know, uh, with uh, Harrison anytime. But, you know, I, I think, uh, again, he's a guy that, you know, has NBA experience, um, you know, sons and bulls. Um, they, they like, I think, his, his size. Um, you know, he's 27, so he's, he's, he's matured in a league. 
He's made a stop, you know, in the G League. And um, uh, so I, I think, again, the Jazz are looking for players, you know, again, nuggets that they continue to see and go, wow, you know, he's available. Let's give it a shot and see how he fits into the system of Quinn Snyder. Um, you know, can he defend? Yes. I think that's one thing that intrigues him the most. And then can he develop his, into his offensive game? I'm trying to remember, TK, you may have the – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, uh, you know, I think in the league uh, he was about five or six a night with, uh, you know, three or four rebounds, I think. I mean, so so in the minutes that he was spent on the floor, he seemed to be pretty productive. And I think the Jazz hope that, you know, again, another piece that they may be able, may be able to use, maybe they put him, uh, you know, store him away in the G League and then bring him back. Um, I'm not sure how that – I don't know if they signed him. Um, don't believe it was a two-way. So I guess it would be that he would either can make or break the roster. I guess that's the way I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Do you buy that the Phoenix Suns are making this massive leap and are going to end up sixth in the West and uh, be in front of the Jazz? There's some predictions out there, and they're all predictions. I mean, they're all over the board, and you know, oh, they're sure. all worth the paper they're written on. But nonetheless, I I see the Suns getting better, but that seems to me to be a huge leap in the hyper-competitive West. And that's yeah. even with me mentally downgrading Houston because I just don't think Harden's going to be there all year. No, he's got to take six COVID tests before he can go back. How about that? Yeah, uh, He's been jumping. I didn't realize he's been jumping around Vegas uh, as much as uh, I, I read yesterday. Uh, I'm speaking of James Harden. You know, if you look at the roster, uh, I mean, nothing really has – I mean, you get – you know, Jay Crowder's there, right? We know how hard he plays, and I think that will make them a little bit of a tougher team. Chris Paul also plays that role um, at the guard position, teaming up with Devin Booker. Um, it's intriguing. Chris Paul has been jumping around left and right over the last, what, four years. And so we'll see how he handles Devin Booker's stardom, by the way, and ball handling, and he's a high-volume shooter. So, you know, I think that was the problem with Harden and Westbrook. I mean, if, if, if Harden wants to go to, to Brooklyn to play with KD and Kyrie, good luck because there's not enough not enough shots to go around. I think those are that'd be a nightmare for Steve Nash. On paper, it looks intriguing, but I'm not sure the personalities match. And that's what I'm waiting to see how Booker reacts to Chris Paul's veteran play. PK, I'm not. You know, we know what Jake Crowder can bring with some a little bit of three point percentage at what 33 percent. And he's kind of got the tough guy attitude. But it's a big leap. I think there's still hype from the bubble uh, coming into this season uh, and the addition of Chris Paul. Look, a lot of basketball to be played. Health and injuries play a factor as well, as we all know. But that's a big leap in my book. I'll agree with you, DJ, to go uh, that high uh, from just where the bubble was playing in. And then, obviously, uh, you know, making a splash in Orlando and – and obviously, I think people believe that the addition of Chris Paul is going to be the difference maker. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. I look forward to you calling games, and you won't be so uh, you won't be so cranky. And no, I should get out of the grump. I should be getting out of the grumpy mode, PK. You know, you get a little grumpy, right? Sometimes, you know. Or, am no, I right? PK or? never, never. No, he's always you've got a confused. smile on his face. You've confused him with somebody else. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I will. I, I'll have a smile on my face on Saturday. That's that's uh, that's for sure. 
and Monday and also next week, Thursday, and then the 23rd and on we go. So, you know, I tell you, we always talk about what ifs, and uh, I guess we'll get some answers here soon, not only with the Jazz, but on the Gobert front as well. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Bowler, thanks. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. There's Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Jazz. Interesting to follow the Gobert contract situation. When does it play out? How much unnecessary energy will people burn? You know, if he signs two weeks after the season opens, is that that big a deal? It's the Jazz. Everything's a big deal. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, how about a little football? Bill Bender is the National College Football Writer for the Sporting News, and we will talk about... Everything from the Pac-12 title game to the national uh, playoff race. And who should the fourth team be? We will get to that coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. We're joined now by Bill Bender, national college football writer for the Sporting News. He's based in Columbus, Ohio. Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? We're good. How would you describe this year? Is this a roller coaster? Is this bizarro world? Is this just another chapter in 2020? And why should college football be any different? How do you sum this thing up? Oh, it's just been wild. Every day, I say hour to hour. You say you just take it one day at a time. Now you literally have to take it one hour at a time. Um, some things have gone, obviously, with the scheduling nightmare for some of these schools. I mean, obviously, in the Pac 12, too. I, I, you know, it's nothing. It's made it real difficult for me, quite honestly, to cover the sport because I'm such a creature of routine. So when we look at this potential four-team playoff of the Big Ten, which I think was right, why penalize Ohio State if somebody else can't play? But I'm wondering that as we go forward, assuming Ohio State gets in with Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and maybe that could change. Maybe Clemson could get bumped out, so it would be moot. But assuming that those four do get in. Do teams like uh, A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, maybe even Miami, do they have any claim to any foundation of a legitimate argument? You know, so I've been kind of playing this one out in my head. Let's kind uh, of walk through. If you walk through this with me, let's say um, Florida beats Alabama, Notre Dame beats Clemson, Ohio State wins. They're not going to lose. So you're going to have Clemson sitting there with two losses. You got to assume Florida. And Alabama probably be, or let's say Alabama beats Florida. So Alabama, yeah. Notre Dame, Ohio State are in. Clemson and Florida have two losses. A&M has a loss. Big 12 champion has two losses. And Cincinnati and the Pac-12 champion are undefeated. Who gets that fourth spot? Not Cincinnati or the Pac-12, because it's college football, and there are grudges, and there is power, and there are wrestling matches behind the scenes, and they're not getting it. And it's it's wild to think that that scenario is actually out there. Um, and I yeah I, I'm trying to pick who would get it. I think it would be A and M 
And that's just not sitting well with me either because I've watched them lose the 28 by 28 to Alabama once. Why do I need to see that again? <laughs> um, right. I would personally give it to Cincinnati in that event based on what I've seen, but it, you know a group of five school isn't going to make it. And I, I'm wondering why USC – I never think – you know, I'm 41 years old. Never thought I would see a time when USC would not be getting playoff hyped as an undefeated team and be ranked as low as they are. Yeah. So when you talk to people about this and run this uh, scenario past them, what kind of reaction do you get? Well, I mean, everybody's kind of in it for themselves. I, I think the, the re- i got to go write this to see what Twitter thinks because you know Twitter's always right, right? <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> social media gets this right. Well, no, I mean, like, who do you think would get it? Like, if I, I put it out there for you, who do you think it's A&M? Yeah. I do, too. So, I mean, that's the hard part for me because they're not even going to play for a conference championship and, and you're kind of going to sit there and, and maybe play Tennessee next week as your uh, as your big win. And it's unfair to Cincinnati. It's unfair to USC. It's unfair to college. I, I like how you put it. It's kind of – that's college football for you. And, um, you know, I've been dealing with the Big Ten mess all week this week. But I think for all the hand-wringing about it, they made the right call. Say both Utah or not Utah, Colorado and SC win this week to remain undefeated. And over on the north, obviously both those teams are from the south. You're having a team that SC would play with two losses potentially. Would you? I would be in favor of the Pac-12 saying no. We're going to pit Colorado and SC, two teams that are undefeated. They haven't played a ton of games, but neither has Ohio State, and put those two in there to square off and then increase my chances should things break their way, which has to happen, I understand that, of getting a Pac-12 team in. But they're not going to do it from what we hear, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Can you comment on that? Why wouldn't you do it, right? Like yeah. this, The college football is um, the worst parenting tip for your kids this year. I've kind of coined this a little bit this week. You, you'd say – if you're in that Pac-12 meeting, say, well, everybody else is doing it. Yeah. Why shouldn't we? I mean, <laughs> right, literally, right. that's that's what you should do. Um, the ACC moved their schedule around. The Big Ten did what they did. I honestly wouldn't have a problem if the Pac-12 did that. And I wouldn't – I've said this all week. I wouldn't have a problem if Alabama and Florida didn't play this week. Just, you know, sit out. You've already clinched the divisions. You know, it decreased the COVID-19 risk by playing Arkansas and LSU – which we know you're both going to win, and go play in Atlanta next week. Bill Bender joining us, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News. Speaking of LSU, they have self-imposed a one-year bowl ban, adding to a list of self-imposed sanctions. They waited to do it until they were 3-5 and five in a year where we're already down about a quarter of the bowl games and we may lose more. Is this the most pathetic self-hand slapping? I mean, is anyone buying this? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you saw those tweets. Like, like for for me, it would be okay. Well, I'm gonna self-impose a ban on um, White Castle for the rest of the year or something. I'm not going there anyway. So uh, it's kind of like that. Um, yeah, and it's they've been the one program I've never. You, this is 2020 in a nutshell too. That they go from a national championship, one of the best teams I've seen, with the best quarterback, with one of the best seasons ever to happen to this, a mess on the field, mess at quarterback, a mess off the field. 
whether it was the Darius Geis allegations, the uh, stuff that happened with Odell Beckham Jr. on the field, improper hmm. benefits, it's, it's all out there now. So, you know, Ed Orgeron's going to survive this, but I think what it did was basically cancel out everything they did last year, and he'll head into 2021 with quite a bit of pressure on him. What are your thoughts on the Jim Harbaugh-Michigan situation? Oh, you know, <laughs> I, get, I get that one a lot, too. And I think it's strange to say it this way because they didn't duck Ohio State. They didn't purposely try to ruin Ohio State season. Um, you know, when you have 45 guys out, you can't play. I think I think what happened this week, though, will make in the, another one I've kind of coined here an extension will be slightly more palatable for Michigan fans. Uh, they're going to have to make some changes to their defensive staff. They're going to be facing a lot of pressure next year, given what they showed this year in six games, which wasn't very good. Um, I just don't know. Unless Harbaugh wants to move on and go to the NFL, I don't think they're in a big hurry to get rid of him. And um, they're going to have to recruit better. It's a big checklist. And if they if he ends up walking – you got to go get Matt Campbell like right now. Uh, is Fickle of Cincinnati all set? Is he going to move? There aren't going to be that many jobs open, but there are some jobs open. Is everything just kind of – is the coaching carousel going to be largely status quo? Because he seems to be right at the top of the list. Right. Um, well, there's five openings that have come open, and Shane Beamer filled one of them at South Carolina. I think this year just – for various reasons, obviously, um, COVID-19, uh, budget cuts, those kind of things. There may be fewer. I mean, typically, I go through this part of the year, and there's 20 or more in the FBS out of the 130. Um, there, there could be 12 to 15 maybe this year. There's always a couple surprises. And, um, you know, the fact that Texas and Michigan are probably going to stay put might be an indicator for the rest of the Power Five for those programs that are thinking, okay, it's time to make a move i mean now you're way in the pac-12 i don't i they had their cycle last year i don't know if a lot will pop open in the pac-12 you guys may feel differently you're closer to it than i am no i think you're right so that makes it you know less stressful for me over the next couple weeks and that's one of the things that we're going to experience here in the next two weeks is it's very compressed from conference championship week from an everyday schedule change from the fact that I've got, you know, I, I do our bull projections every week, and there, there's teams that have accepted bull bids. There's a bull game on the day of the conference championship games. <laughs> it, it, it really is, you know, like I said, it, it's broken up my routine a lot, but I'm still enjoying it. Going big picture, is there a little bit of an issue with college football in that it seems like it's the same handful, maybe two handfuls of teams that are really only competing for the college playoff every year? You know, two disturbing texts I get a lot from my friends are, well, I get a lot of disturbing texts, but these two in particular. Um, comparing it to women's basketball, when you had Tennessee and UConn and Notre Dame going to the final four every year, very apt. And then comparing it to AAU basketball, where, and this isn't Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State's fault. They, they develop guys, get them ready for the NFL, but these kind of super teams you look at the recruiting rankings that hasn't changed and some people think that an 18 playoff would open that up a little bit but it's kind of my contention that alabama clemson and ohio state would just crush everybody in the quarterfinal maybe that would 
balance out over but it, it's really hard to compete with those three programs. You know, I think it, to to circle back to the playoff discussion, part of the reason that it's so hard to figure out who number four is, maybe there's just a big break from three to four. I mean, with the numbers, it looks nice and stacked and all that. But the truth is, the num the, the teams aren't as close as the numbers would suggest. And we went to a fourteen playoff because sometimes you were leaving out a third team that deserved a shot. But that doesn't mean there's a fourth team that deserves a shot. Maybe there really is this Grand Canyon separation between team three and four. Whether you think four is Cincinnati or A and M or Coastal Carolina or USC. Yeah, and to your point, like, and Notre Dame did beat Clemson, but I know you're going to, everybody's going to fire back. Well, Trevor Lawrence wasn't on the field. Yeah. Well, Notre Dame still won the game. And as somebody that went, went to a Catholic school for 12 years, I've struggled with this all season because you want to, you watch Notre Dame and you're like, okay, they're ready. It's 1980s all over again. They're going to go win the national championship. But, uh, they've got to do it twice. And that's the problem with the playoffs in some ways is you have to have a team that's, built to beat a Clemson and an Alabama, you know, and LSU was able to do that last year, but they also played Oklahoma in the first round. You know, Clemson had to go through Ohio State, then LSU. It's not easy to do. So uh, I think Notre Dame's really good. I think they are playoff worthy. If they beat Clemson, it'll add a little jolt to the playoff too, because you know they'll get Alabama or Ohio State the next round. That'll be a lot of fun. So what changed with Notre Dame? Because it seemed like it was slipping, the academics were too tough, blah, blah, blah. And Kelly, if they're that good, then he's gotten them back. He has. He's done a good job. Well, I mean, look at their pieces. They've got NFL guys. They've got an NFL tight end. They've got an NFL running back. Ian Book has been awesome. I mean, I I don't know where the criticism of him comes in. He's a good player. And then their defense, they've got an All-American linebacker. I think that Clemson loss in particular kind of opened his eyes to what he needed to do and who he needed to recruit. And and they looked pretty good doing it. I I don't think that Clemson win was a fluke. I know Trevor Lawrence didn't play, but the other quarterback, Yuanga Lele, I had to learn how to say that, but uh, he played well. And um, they didn't run the ball and they didn't play good defense. So Notre Dame won that game. So Urban Meyer still resonates here after all these years and all the uh, the winning 22-2 and two at Utah and then off to Florida and Ohio State. And he's on Fox, and we see him every week. And he's been talking about BYU, so he stays relevant. Is he going to coach again, or has he finally found his niche in TV, and that's going to be it? Well, I think the fact that he turned down Texas is an indicator that he's comfortable in the booth, at least for a little longer. Um, he, he does a fantastic job there. He... Uh, you know, he's got that charismatic personality, wins big wherever he is. He's going to be – I only think there's a select few jobs that he would be willing to entertain if he did come back. And and I thought Texas might be one of them. I think USC is one of them. Those kind of places where you can build a national championship contender in a hurry. So, But a lot of it will come down to his family and his health. And those were very real things at the end of his Ohio State tenure. And, you know, there's there's that chance that he he's like Bill Cowher, that he just never comes back and – but yet we always talk about it because we know how good he really is. Bill, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the air and uh, talking with us. Hey, no problem. You guys have a happy holidays. I appreciate you having me on. There's Bill Bender, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. NFL football last night. The Rams and the Patriots. And we'll get to that next. Stay with us.